You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights which help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up to date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. I'm your host, Asher Matthew. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic intent and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. Once again, I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited today to talk to Bill Kent about going beyond the MQL. So, Bill, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Terrific. So, Bill, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about the highlights of your journey, and then tell us a little bit about how you landed on Beyond the MQL. Sure. Uh, Yeah, so my background is just having gone kind of between marketing agencies, working with CMOs and director-level people, as well as being in-house as a corporate marketer, spending most of my time in meetings, um, as my clients did when I was uh, at an agency. I'm currently, you know, working at an agency now, but prior to that, I worked at Topo as a consultant for a lot of enterprise accounts and then took over as a senior director of Demandgen and ABM for user testing um, in San Francisco. So, um, yeah, I understand the, the struggles kind of on both sides. Yep. That, that's, that's awesome. I have not met a lot of people that have been on both sides of the table, but it's great and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. And as far as your other question about how did I come across this beyond the MQL, well, the model's broken. I think we've known it's broken for a while. You know, I think it's the wrong measurement for marketers um, because, you know, you're not going to move the needle by how many people downloaded your white paper and sales isn't going to get super excited about those leads. So, you know, sales is um, is looking for people that are actually interested in buying and they're really combing through lots of marketing data to try to find those people. And I think it's marketing's job to think about how can we deliver something of higher quality? How can we advance uh, the process as far down the football field as possible? I use the analogy of, you know, if you're handing off an MQL, you're handing it off on the 20-yard line and telling them to go 80 yards. Uh, and if you, you know, if you can focus on going beyond the MQL, you know, you might be able to give them the ball at the 50-yard line and they only have half the field they have to go to make a sale. So it's, it's, a, it's a thing that it takes a little bit more time. Um, it takes some it takes some guts in some some ways because you know my last company I moved away from the MQL we we still generate leads we still have an MQL as a measurement in our stack and everything it's not that we aren't delivering MQLs but we're also looking at how can we deliver higher quality and it does it's not the same amount and some people struggle for example with too many leads and in that case uh, you know just dumping a whole bunch of MQLs on reps really doesn't help move the needle for the company. Terrific. So I'm super excited to discuss this because it sounds like like you're either going to share share framework with us or you're going to share the science of how this works. So die, bring us into this. Like what do what do you mean when you say beyond the MQL? Like like how do we action this? Yeah. So I mean, in an ideal world, you know, this for a salesperson, you know, you'd have somebody sitting on the other end of the phone with a credit card in their hand, right? Um, or somebody that says like, hey, you know, we've got budget, we're in market, we're ready to, to really evaluate this solution. But the truth is, is our job as marketers is to get more people to, you know, the decision-making process is a two-step process. One is consume information and then begin to make a decision. So 
how can we get more people to consider our solution? And you know what salespeople really want is they want to get involved in a conversation where they can do what they do. And there's all this talk about how the buying process is more advanced and it's you know 70% of the way complete or 80% depending on who you listen to you know, before they ever get on the phone, you know, I don't buy it. Um, I think salespeople have never been more valuable. And I think our jobs as marketers is starting to shift, especially with the account-based marketing focus that you're seeing out there, where enablement and helping salespeople be successful is a bigger part of our job today than it ever has been. You know, marketers will always be able to create better messages than, you know, just leaving salespeople to their own devices. And if we want a consistent message to go out to the market, We've got to enable sales with giving them messaging so they can just go execute and do what they do best, which is, you know, actually get involved with the process and understand people's problems and map the solution to those. But really what we're talking about here when you boil it down is how can you get them into a meeting, right? So there are solutions out there and people talk about, you know, appointment setting and those types of things. But, you know, traditionally that's been, for example, using a telemarketing firm that's going to set appointments for you. And that's one way to do it. But what I want to talk about today is how to use technology and some new tools like AI, calendar scheduling tools, those types of things that you can actually automate this process and deliver meetings directly on reps calendars so that they can just get on the phone and have somebody that's agreed to a meeting that they can then start to do the discovery process for and try to advance that uh, conversation as quickly as possible. That's great. I mean, from my own struggles in as a salesperson, learning more about marketing, which by the way, I feel like every salesperson should spend a quarter in marketing or take some sort of marketing uh, project on. Just so that they, uh, pre- absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent, should understand the struggles as a salesperson and what they're what they're actually doing every day. Exactly, it only brings us together, and uh, and I know I don't want to toot the togetherness horn, but but it it it's just the understanding and the vocabulary and the language and the incentives, you know, if they're all uh, the same, then you have the difficult pieces off the table. And then you get into like, how do we create a conversation, which I love the fact that you're super zoned into the the conversation as an indicator of success versus downloads or or likes as an indicator of success. Now, I feel like you're going to take us into the engine, which is a tools, and then we should talk a little bit about the fuel, which potentially is data. So walk us down that lane. You know, at user testing, one of the things we implemented was just conversational AI. And, you know, it's still email and some of the solutions out there can be just as expensive as your marketing automation platform. And that was a conversation we had to have internally, you know, of, hey, you've already got Marketo. Why do you need this thing? Um, Or you've got Eloqua. Why do you need another email tool? Well, you know, (laughs) there's uh, there's a science to how quickly people respond. Uh, There's a science to messaging. Um, and you know, there's tools can really help you respond quicker and they can deliver, you know, messages that are more effective on a consistent basis than trying to write e- individually each, each message that people are going to send. For example, we used Conversica, which is an awesome solution. And a lot of the messaging is pretty generic, but it's effective. We were taking, you know, what was leads that had already been processed by sales many times or leads that sales didn't want. And we were converting 10% of those into meetings. So that's a huge opportunity for marketers. And we spent all this time building our database. And we spend, you know, we send leads over to sales. We don't always know how much they follow up or how many times or when they do their touches and those types of things. And so 
AI really gives us that assurance that our campaigns are going to be successful because without follow-up, you know, our campaigns are kind of worthless. Just sending leads over and hoping that sales follows up with them. And of course, you can do some tracking in your CRM and those types of things and, and measure the, you know, the number of touches and all of those. But you know, having that assurance as a marketer that we go out and spend this money on a campaign, is somebody going to follow up with these? Because without that follow-up, your campaigns won't be successful. So uh, we use Conversica, and then we use the calendar scheduling tool called Chili Piper. And if somebody had a positive response to one of our messages, we would insert the Chili Piper scheduling link directly into the, the message. And then they would pull up the rep's calendar and just schedule the meeting uh, at a time that works for them and a time that works for the rep. And so for reps, this is, this is an opportunity. So we would take MQLs and instead of having them follow up with this huge volume of records of people that you know, maybe just attended a webinar and aren't necessarily ready to talk to sales, we could kind of find the needles in the haystack for them. And just automatically when they show up for their workday, they've got a new meeting on the calendar. And their job is to go do a little bit of research on the person and the company um, to get some context, but they can start that discovery process right away. And, you know, as I said, the MQL model has just been broken for so long. And I think, you know, marketers know that and salespeople know that. I stood up in front of my last company, you know, in front of the whole sales org and said, how many salespeople just absolutely love MQLs? I think we got one hand raise and it was probably just because the person was nice. <laughs> um, you know, there's never enough of them and they're never qualified enough. So if we can take that bucket of, of uh, leads and sort through them and enable salespeople to just do what they do best, which is have conversations, get into discovery, find pain and map it to the solution. We're going to get them more at bats at a place where they want to be versus all of this prospecting time that they spend, um, which I'm a believer in prospecting. It's something that reps obviously have to do in order to hit their number. But you know, there's a lot of opportunity for us to use modern tools to automate some of that effort of finding who's ready to actually have a conversation. Uh, absolutely. And I guess as you're talking about this so passionately, I, I, I'm just thinking, why aren't more people talking about this? Like, what's your take on why aren't more people talking about this? Well, I think it's, you know, the model's been in place for a long time. You know, the idea of lead scoring has been around for a while. You know, the marketing automation tools came out, which, you know, the promise of marketing automation was that it would sort through the data, you know, score leads in different ways and send those over to sales. And like I said, I mean, we still score leads and try to find qualified leads and sift through the data like everybody else. We're just trying to take extra steps with some of the leads that don't qualify as MQLs and some of them that do when we have the high volume or we have leads that reps don't want to follow up with and, uh, and try to make more sense of it. But I think it's just a situation where this is the model that has been created and it's been in place for quite a while. And this is how marketers are measured. And, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, revenue generating marketing, but the truth is, unless you're going to go beyond the MQL, it's really difficult to attribute this number of white paper downloads contributed to these deals. And, you know, so then we can show revenue attribution and attribution is kind of like a game of whack-a-mole. Exactly. Like, it, never, it never stops. It's like, you know, you, you uh, how do you, how do you attribute a third of this deal to this asset or this campaign and a third yes. of this one? And uh, yes. it's, you know, it's not an exact science. Um, yes. So the MQL is, you know, has become kind of the standard just out of necessity of 
that we need to measure marketers on something. And, you know, what we tried to do is say, how many meetings can we generate for sales? How many of those convert into second meetings? How many of those convert into opportunities so that we can actually see, hey, the meetings that we created, those are turning into sales opportunities, not just this huge volume of records that then sales has to go do all the work for to try to get it into, um, to try to convert it into an opportunity. Yeah, I remember when I was at Avalara, uh, the the last sales leader I had the privilege to be on the team of, uh, Greg Stivers, used to say, forget the SQL, it's all about sales working. So marketing, sales, we all got to get to a point where we're rowing in the same direction, and we have to work on sales working. And I feel like if we can get all everybody to be to focus on sales working that is beyond the mql right because but you know as i say that i over the last three months or so as i've been speaking with sales and marketing folks in the marketplace uh, they somehow when push comes to shove they always go back to i would say the best level of training that they've had and the best level of training that they have is an mql right so so it's it almost feels like there's this we have to do more than just talk about this stuff. There has to be some sort of a movement that needs to be put in place that pulls people out, or we just have to train the next generation better of marketers better so that they are more focused on conversations or let's call them sales working more than just the MQL. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, that's kind of the beauty of account-based marketing. We've sort of got this convergence of technology uh, presenting a new opportunity as well as, you know, the ABM trend of, um, you know, how do we make sales more successful? And a lot of the actions that marketing does when you think about account-based is all designed to get a response in the sales channel. So marketers do banner ads, they do emails, they do, you know, a variety of different things in their campaigns. And really what we see in the data is that when sales reaches out at the same time and is part of that campaign and part of that outreach and part of the outbound efforts, is that the response comes to the salesperson. You know, somebody may be seeing your emails, they may have seen your banner ads, doesn't necessarily mean they've clicked or downloaded, but it doesn't mean your marketing is not making an impact. It's just a different way of thinking about it. So, you know, enabling sales is really kind of the new paradigm that marketers need to be thinking about with all of our campaigns is how do we provide that air cover and then the tools to make salespeople successful. Terrific. I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. So we've talked a little bit about the engine, and it's it seemed like the tools that you've shared with us are a little bit more on the inbound side of things. Can those tools be used for outbounding, or is there a different set of tools that you can use or you that you have used for outbounding from a marketing and sales togetherness perspective that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, with Conversica, many times you're following up with messaging. That's to people that have awareness of you already and have maybe recently taken an action of some kind. And so it works really well for people that have, uh, for example, a large amount of data coming in that reps would normally have to comb through and wouldn't be very effective of following up enough times to, uh, to convert those folks. Um, from an outbound perspective, I and mean, we still use the marketing automation tools, but what we do is we find a lot more success in text-based emails. It doesn't mean you don't do the big marketing emails with templates to promote webinars or other pieces of content, you still can do that. But I find that automating the sales outreach is a very effective way to make salespeople more successful. And so using marketing automation tools as an example, 
you know, we can send emails on behalf of the record holder. So whoever owns that record, whoever's on the account, those types of data points, and then really making sure that the number of sales touches that we want, the messages that we want, the content we want to share, all of those things is included in that. And um, that's really, you know, the only tool that I see today other than, you know, like I said, enabling sales and working closely with them to do outbounding. Um, and, you know, a lot of the, I mean, I think the marketing stack and the sales stack is starting to converge. So you're seeing a lot of these sales tools now, like an outreach um, and others, sales loft. And, you know, they have their own nurture streams now, reps do. And so they can activate people into the nurture streams. I mean, I've been at companies before where reps didn't even follow up directly with leads. They essentially would just put somebody that came in into a nurture stream and then just try to follow up with those people. Well, like I said before, you know, you don't have any idea if you don't, if you're not involved with the messaging, you don't have any idea what all the reps are going to do. And you need a cohesive message and you need to promote the right content in the right ways in order to get responses. Um, and there's a science to this stuff. And so when left to their own devices, sales isn't going to be as successful as, as they can be without marketing getting involved. So that's the other thing besides marketing automation tools is getting involved with the sales tools as well and making sure that whatever we're sending to prospects is optimized and we're watching that and going back and saying, okay, this is working and this isn't, you know, this particular email within this stream is not very effective. You know, what's generating responses, what isn't and make changes to those programs so that we can optimize. I think as marketers, we tend to run and don't go back and, and look as much as we should. But I think that's really the key is instead of just producing more, you know, make sure you're optimizing what you already have. And um, yeah. It almost sounds sounds like we need to have parts, right? Because on the sales side, we think about, hey, what is the SDR to AE ratio, right? But we should help to think about what is the SDR to AE to the marketing ratio. So we create a pod so people can actually work together. And I feel like this is a senior leadership issue where people need to think about how the operations of their teams is running, i.e. how are they working on a day-to-day -day basis and curate that environment so they can work together on all of these things. And then as Warren Buffet, or I would say Charlie Munger says all the time, make sure you align the right incentives. If you just align the right incentives, theoretically, this should work. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree that it's a, it's a leadership thing. I mean, you know, alignment's been a, a trend between sales and marketing for a long time. Um, but now again, with ABM kind of coming in and this need to do more sales enablement as part of the marketing role, I think there's a huge opportunity to really work together on campaigns and, you know, get away from this attribution thing and marketing trying to take credit for things. I mean, there's nothing salespeople dislike more than marketing standing up there and saying, you know, look at all the revenue we generated. Well, you know, they're the ones that had to follow up with your MQLs, for example, and they had to try to convert those and they had a lot of conversations and they had to uncover pain and all of those things and map it to a solution. And, you know, some of these enterprise sales, for example, they can take a year and it's a lot of work for salespeople. So as marketers, you know, we want to show success, but that's where I think having an overarching campaign that involves both sales and marketing and really looking at the outcome of that is insane. Everybody wins when we work together is a much better way to operate as is getting salespeople into conversations 
versus just chucking a bunch of leads over the fence, hoping they follow up. Because if they don't, like I said, the chances of your campaign being successful are not very good. Agreed. Agreed. So we talked about the strategic layer. We've talked about the, let's call it the tools or the engine layer. Let's spend a couple of minutes talking about the data layer, right? What are your thoughts? And from all the experience that you've seen on the, both on the consulting side and as a practitioner, what are your thoughts on the data layer? And I'll give you a little bit of a context of where I'm coming from. I'm starting to see that companies are becoming very aware of all the internal data capabilities that they have and the external data capabilities that are in the marketplace so they can put the two together to help them. But is that truly a realization or is it just a select few like early adopter companies that are like thinking that way? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I mean, I've never <laughs> I've never been at a company or talked to a company that thought their data was good. Everybody says, uh, you know, our data is crap. Well, join the club. You know, our, CR, our CRM is all messed up. Well, you know, so is everybody else's. I think marketing operations is probably one of the most underappreciated gigs, but it's starting to become more appreciated. And you're starting to see companies build out their marketing operations teams for just this reason. And you've got sales operations as well. And you've got revenue ops now. And all these people have to be thinking about data as part of the way that we activate our teams, right? So there's these there's these resources now dedicated to making us more successful as marketing and sales professionals. And, um, you know, that's a huge consideration even for what I was talking about earlier with, you know, using conversational AI and, you know, sending calendar invites. You don't want to send calendar invites to unqualified people or folks that sales wouldn't want to talk to. So that's where, you know, having an MQL model in place is a good first step for getting through some of that data, but then you know you've still got to have clean data going into your systems in order to produce the right outcomes, because it's not going to help you any if you're just keeping salespeople busy with people that can't buy. So data is something I could talk about for a long time, but I, I still think a, a lot of companies aren't investing enough in buying their universe, keeping their CRM up to date, you know, practicing data hygiene all of those things. And it's so critical because like you said, it really is the fuel that powers the car. So um, with, you know, with, with messy data, it screws up lead routing, it screws up, you know, all sorts of processes and activities. So it's, it's really crucial that people invest the time to have clean data so that we can be most effective as marketing and salespeople with who we reach out to and generate the outcomes that we're ultimately looking for that are going to move the needle for the company. That's awesome. All right. So we've talked a lot, lot about the, the MQL, moving beyond the MQL, the, the engine, the fuel, the tools. Uh, this has been fantastic. You know, I mean, thank you for sharing this insight. And I can totally see the passion coming across. I wish I could just create a course for people, what that what they would take, and then get them to think more about sales working versus just MQLs. So as we conclude... Bill, uh, who would be two other people that come to mind that who really care about data-driven sales and marketing from your perspective? Uh, well, a great uh, a great resource uh, is a gentleman named Brendan Dell that I've worked with a lot. He's a content strategist, but he's a program strategist as well. And you know, he's somebody that has his own podcast actually. So it'd be great if you guys 
could come together and, you know, maybe do a joint podcast or something. But he's kind of been somebody that I've worked with at agencies and brought in-house when I was, uh, you know, at companies. And he's really a thought leader in thinking about, you know, what are the messages that are going to actually, you know, convert more people versus just sending out product messages and those types of things. So he's one person that always comes to mind to me is who's a multifaceted person, but he can get down into what are the specific messages that people should spend time sending out. Um, and then, you know, oh, others, I mean, I would really look to Craig Rosenberg from Topo, um, you know, him and, and Eric Whitlake from Topo as well. I think some of the research that they're doing and in talking to high growth companies and understanding what they're doing that's making them successful. I can't say enough good things about Topo and their resources and Craig Rosenberg, if you haven't seen him speak, really dynamic guy, uh, thought leader, and um, you know, really on the forefront of what companies are doing today. So he's somebody that I would encourage you to to read his stuff. And if you get a chance to see him speak, he's awesome. I believe if I remember the story, Craig actually started in sales as well himself. Yeah, he did. Yeah, absolutely. So he's been on both sides and exactly. Like I said, he's been studying what high growth companies are doing out there in the marketplace and then trying to share those ideas um, as well as just coming up with with new ideas. And they're on the forefront of of ABM and, you know, putting together programs and what marketers need to do. And, um, you know, one of the things I like a lot is they talk a lot about offer strategy. And I think that's an underutilized area for marketers. I mean, we're often just sending, you know, a boring piece of content along and not thinking about you know, what are the offers that are going to move the needle? And so I love some of their offer strategy stuff, whether it's assessments um, or live events. I mean, I've, I've heard before that, you know, Salesforce is hugely invested in live events. Of course, live events are dead right now. I mean, our current climate, but, you know, there's a lot of different offers you can do that are going to get people into conversations as well. And so I love some of that, that stuff they're doing. Yeah. It sounds like first you do sales, then you do marketing, and then you teach sales and marketing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fun career path. Uh, tell us about a little bit about your personal side, right? What do you like to do for fun and stuff? Oh, you know, it feels like a lot of my activities have been shut down, whether it's travel, you know, going out for food and drinks or watching sports. <laughs> you know, most of those things are not things we can do right now. So I think this is the year of the outdoors. I think, you know, getting to national parks and getting outside and enjoying the environment and getting away from our screens. This is the time to do it because there's not a lot else that is, uh, is available for us right now. So I'm spending a lot of time, you know, going on hikes and going fishing and going out to the coast and, you know, those types of things, just enjoying the, the natural environment. Well, that's, that's, that's terrific. And you're up in the Oregon area, right? So you yeah, enjoy Portland, the Gold Oregon. Coast. Yeah. I mean, for, amazing, amazing views. And uh, I used to go on a fishing trip up, up there on the Rogue River. And, uh, and if any of the listeners out there want to do a completely non-electronic trip, it's, I would recommend take a fishing trip down the Rogue River. It's fantastic. Yeah, or go whitewater rafting. It's awesome for that as well. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. beautiful place. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for spending time with, with us. And I guess in closing, I always like to do this. Please share with us or repeat your message to the market. Yeah, I mean, the MQL model is broken. I think I don't think anyone can really look at it and say it's working well when, you know, neither sales or marketing really loves the model today. Um, so I think we have to think as marketers, if we're going to be more revenue focused and we're going to try to move the needle for organizations, 
of ways that we can get salespeople into conversations. And, you know, whether that's offer strategy, new technology, calendar tools, you know, AI tools that do the follow-up for sales reps so they can spend more of their time actually in meetings. You know, I think that's really the future of where marketing needs to go and move away from something today that really isn't a great measurement of marketing success and, you know, really doesn't help salespeople be successful. Terrific. Well, folks, thank you for joining us for another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, uh, Asher Matthew. And Bill, thanks again for joining us and we'll see you out in the market. Enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us. And more importantly, share these insights with your peers. Mm-hmm.